The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. Alright you guys, welcome back to another exciting edition of Offense, Defense, and Discourse. What is going on? My name is John Brown. You know what's been going on on the East Coast. It's been getting warmer, we're getting closer to summer. But with this warm weather, with the change in temperature, this weather has been crazy. Tornado warnings all in the Philly area all week long. Almost every evening there has been a tornado warning or a tornado watch. So with that, we have to be careful. So unfortunately, my man Mike Jones is not in the studio with me today. However, because this man is such a dedicated sportsman, such a dedicated sports analyst, he is here in spirit. And he's here on the phone. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mike Jones, what's good, my friend? Oh, man, I'm good, man. Just glad technology allows us to work around the weather sometimes, you know? It, it happens, you know? Sometimes you just got to improvise, you know? Some Life throws your lemons. You got to make lemonade or lemon drink or whatever, you know, whatever's your pleasure. But nonetheless, a lot going on in the sports world since we last came to you. The NBA oh, man, absolutely. There's so much going on. The NBA Finals are underway. Toronto and uh, Golden State have gotten have gotten underway. They have started their series. And, well, there's plenty of time to talk, you know, the NBA Finals. There will be plenty mm-hmm. of time to talk NBA Finals. However, what we have been doing all playoffs, we have kind of been looking at the – uh, the fallen few. As we have finally gotten to that point where we now have two teams still playing, the rest of the league is done. The rest of the league is trying to make sense of what they are going to do in the future. And that being said, one of the la- uh, a very interesting story has started has come out out of Houston. We've talked at length about what's going on in Houston, what they can do to get better, what they can do to improve as if and if that is possible. And basically what came out out of Houston is at this point everybody's available. Uh you know, whether or not James Harden is available is up for grabs because of his contract. But I think if there was somebody willing to take James Harden, I think Houston would think long and hard about it. Mike, I know you have an opinion on this. What do you, what, I mean, where's, where do we start with this whole Houston mess? Oh man. Now see, this is, this is interesting. A couple weeks ago, after the second round ended, we did a post-mortem on the Houston Rockets. Mm-hmm. And, I'm pretty sure, I don't remember our exact words, but I'm pretty sure it was something to the effect that the Rockets were in a situation where they may have to quote-unquote process the whole roster. And what I mean, of course, by processing the roster is a reference to Philadelphia 76ers 
say infamous, not famous, but infamous process where mm-hmm. they stripped the roster down to bare bones and started from scratch. That was what we saw as being their only such their only recourse really. Your two most talented players, one has a contract that nobody's gonna be anywhere I should I shouldn't say no one would be in, would be willing to, but most teams may be hesitant to touch Harden's contract. Chris Paul is aging. His body is breaking down. Chris Paul's what thirty six now, I believe, mm-hmm. and body breaking down. I don't think Chris Paul's ever even been to a conference finals at this point. No, no, I don't, I don't believe so. Either. Or was last year against the? No, last year against Houston and well, Golden State. That was the conference finals. That was the conference finals, but he didn't he finish the se- one he game. For, yeah. Well, he but, no, he played a couple games. Yeah, no, I'm saying he didn't finish the series. He didn't finish the conference finals, and that was his only conference finals in his career. So, I mean, how many choices do they have? You're maxed out salary-wise. You, you're over the, well, I shouldn't say maxed out, but you're over the salary cap in the luxury tax territory. You can't sign any major pieces. What are you going to try to do, bring Carmelo back again? <laughs> that, might so, be, that might be the situation that, that forces Carmelo or at least influences him, best influences him to stay retired, to say, hey, you know what, I, I'm good on this. I mean, like, I, if, if if I was Carmelo, I will. I wouldn't want any piece of this. I mean, I wouldn't okay. want any piece of Houston either. Mm-hmm. But you know, sidebar, I wouldn't be surprised if Carmelo ends up on the Lakers this after this summer. But yeah. that's a whole different story. Yeah. Now that would that would not surprise me either. That definitely would not surprise me either. But I think honestly, it's like. The Lakers are a mess. And oh, the, the Lakers are a mess, and I felt like with everything that was there, there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing appealing about the Lakers right now. You know, if if anything, the most appealing team in Los Angeles is the Clippers. All right, so let me ask you a question. Okay. Let's say you are a aspiring young NBA executive. Mm-hmm. You're the hot name this offseason. Mm-hmm. And you're offered the Houston GM job or the LA Lakers GM job. Which one would you think is a better job? Honestly, I think I think it would be the Houston job. Well, you know, I think it'd be the. I think both jobs are. I think neither job are really that appealing, but for different reasons. I think there's more to work with in Los Angeles, and I'm mm-hmm. there's more to work with with in Los Angeles. But that front office is so dysfunctional. And you're 
and you're going to be under so much scrutiny and so much there's so much pressure that makes that that whole situation darn near impossible. Mm-hmm. And then you're at Houston where you are looking at starting at rock bottom and starting over. You have it's like you have a player, you have a a quote unquote superstar. Whether you can win with that superstar or not is another is another conversation, not the conversation we're having right now. But you still have a superstar, but you know that you cannot win substantially with him right now. Yes, you know what? If you put a half decent team around him, you might win fifty something games. You might get to the you'll get to the playoffs. You might even win a series. You know, if you're any half decent GM could figure out how to win something with James Harden. You're not going to win it all. You're not going to win, you know, you're you're not you're not putting a championship contender, but you're going to put a cha- but you're going to put a team good enough to sell out that arena every week, every night. You're going to get on national television. You'll probably sell a lot of jerseys. You'll make a lot of money, but you're not going to win it all. Mm-hmm. So, and you you can either that's one road that you can do with Houston, or you could blow it up and start all over again. And then it's like you really have to be on your P's and Q's because that means you're getting rid of James Harden. So you're you're you know you get rid of Harden, you blow up that team, you're starting at rock bottom. And it's not like Houston is a place where you're going to be able to lure free agents unless you have an attractive piece to build around. Nobody's going to come to Houston to help lead the resurgence. So if you're a GM, you better be darn sure that you can find somebody. You you can find that, that quintessential piece, that piece, that star because they don't have it. After you get rid of James Harden, what do you have in Houston? You have nothing. But see, that's the thing, though. You assume that if you get rid of James Harden, it's for it's some, some for assets that would allow you to have something. Mm-hmm. That would, whether it's going to create the, the cap room to provide max salary opportunities for a player to come play in Texas with no state income tax, or you're looking at top draft pick return, trading Harden would not leave your cupboard bare. He is still in his basketball prime and would, regardless of what people think about his game, he would net a haul if you thought trade, if you were to trade Harden now. The question is, who's going to touch his contract? No, oh, I, I, I think that's almost nobody. Well, you know, I, I guess it would be um, a heck of a deal. But I, I just feel like, you know, I, I am not sure if there's a deal that could be made for James Harden that puts them in a in a situation where they're at least where they at least break even. 
Like oh, you, see, that's, the, that's the thing. If you're stripping down this roster and looking to rebuild, yeah. you're not looking to, to come back yeah. no, I, as I, mm-hmm. even or even be a better team immediately. You're going through a rebuild. It's going to be years before you're back to even the level where you are right now. Mm-hmm. So all of that is in consideration when you think about these things. The thing is that you're yeah, when you get to the point where you decide you're rebuilding, you really what what you're saying is a couple things. One, the team we have is not good enough to win right now. Mm-hmm. Two, the team we have is not built where we can add a add to this core and make them a winner. Three, the best path going forward is to sacrifice short-term wins in in order to get into a more beneficial situation long-term. If your front office is not willing to be honest with themselves and say those things, you'll end up stuck in NBA purgatory for the foreseeable future. Agreed. Because you'll just keep putting band-aids on things, maybe being good enough, you know, hopefully being good enough to stay in the playoff race every year. And, you know, you get in that six, seven, eight range seed, seed range where you're in that range every year, you lose every year, and you, maybe you sell a couple home playoff tickets and call it a day. But if you're really looking to compete, that's not a approach that generally works once you get to a certain point of mediocrity. Or I don't want to say mediocrity, but if you get to a point where your cap is is maxed out and your talent has hit its ceiling, there aren't too many teams that that are going to trade you a Kawhi Leonard like Houston, not Houston, excuse me, like San Antonio did with Toronto. Mm Mm-hmm allowed Toronto to have to go from through that whole rebuild. I agree. Toronto was a team that was close to having to go through the rebuild, but they were able to get Kawhi Leonard, Mm -hmm. who's still not guaranteed to stay with them. Uh, But there aren't too many Kawhi Leonards available. No, no, no. And I I think, honestly, it's it's almost, it's, I don't know how, I was going to say it's almost similar to to uh Golden State landing landing Kevin Durant where there were question marks as to how much better they were than Cleveland. I think hindsight being 2020 you now you realize that Golden State was a better team. But mm-hmm. at the time Yes, you know, there are people who might have said, yeah, had Draymond Green not gotten himself eject, uh, excuse me, suspended, that series would have been different. But that's a big what if. I think at the time of the series, I think people viewed Cleveland as being equal to Golden State. And once Golden State was able to land Kevin Durant, conversation was over 
you know, you it was, hey, could they be better? Are they better? And you know what? Hell no, they ain't better. <laughs> and with with uh with Toronto, tying that into Toronto, them getting Kawhi Leonard. That you know, it's like <clears throat> is it time to rebuild? You know, what will they rebuild around? And hey, it that conversation has changed too. How do we rebuild or how do we continue to get better now that we have Kawhi Leonard? Because I think honestly, now I get now that they're in the finals, I think there's to me, because that's part of how I had brought Los Angeles into this conversation. Because as soon as as soon as Toronto uh, uh, secured that win over Milwaukee. I texted you and I said, there's no way LeBron is getting Kawhi and Jimmy Butler right now. Kawhi Leonard's now in the, uh, in the NBA Finals. To me, and, and, and that's what I was about to yeah. address. Because we were talking about Kawhi Leonard. You said one thing I, about him and Jimmy Butler possibly going to L.A. And it's I wanted to address that. One, mm-hmm. a lot of people forget that once it was announced that LeBron James was going to Los Angeles, the Lakers, Kawhi Leonard and Jimmy Butler both already had trade demands out there. And what happened with that was all the reports immediately turned to the Los Angeles Lakers became a less attractive destination for both of those guys. Mm Mm-hmm. Because the idea of playing with the older LeBron James while they're in their prime was not necessarily the most appealing thing. Mm-hmm. He gets all the credit. They're going to have to do most of the heavy lifting because at 34 going to 35 years of age, it's not like going to play with LeBron in his prime. Mm-hmm. It's a different situation. L.A. LeBron ain't Miami LeBron. Exactly. So that being said, the idea that Kawhi or Jimmy Butler are going to the Lakers to play with LeBron, I think, is a low odds proposition at mm-hmm. best to begin with. No, I I agree. I guess to me, I'm speaking to narrative, speaking to, I guess, for lack of a better term, the scuttlebutt that surrounds teams that aren't playing right now. Because you saw the story. We all saw the story. Oh, LeBron has already been in contact with Kawhi. LeBron has already been in contact with Jimmy Butler. He's already trying to court them to Los Angeles. And I'm like, Kawhi is now in the finals. Kawhi is in the finals. And Jimmy Butler is looking at a team in the finals that only beat them on a last-second shot in Game 7, you know, that was – probably the miracle of all basketball miracles. So if you're sitting there and you're looking at, if you're looking at your squad and you know, the team that beat you, the team that beat you, that went on to the finals, you know, you and I have both, you and I have both said on this show before that we felt like uh, the Sixers matched up better against Milwaukee than they did Toronto. Yeah, and we'll absolutely. talk. And we'll talk a little bit. And maybe I, I I don't know if we will or we won't. If we if we'll have time this week, but we'll talk about uh we'll talk about Milwaukee. Maybe we'll get to them if there's time. But you saw what Toronto was able to do to Milwaukee. 
and you know that Toronto was there because of a last second shot. I want to, you know, if I'm Jimmy Butler, I'm like, give me my squad and let's run it back. Thanks, but no thanks. I'm looking at what's going on in Los Angeles with not just LeBron, but Magic Johnson, Rob Palenka, the Bus family, everything that's going on in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah, the Lakers are in trouble. Yeah. I mean, they're going to have a very hard time attracting free agents yeah. who Le- want to win right now. Bottom line, and, and, and to, so bottom line is, to me, Jimmy Butler stays. Kawhi stays. To the question that you asked, to the question that you asked earlier, I think honestly, I think Houston probably needs more work. You Houston probably needs to be blown up and started all over. But I think if you take that Houston job, you you will have the time to blow it up, rebuild, and kind of fly under the radar until you're ready to be a player again. To me, if you go to Los Angeles, there are decisions that have to be made, and no matter what decision you go with, there's going to be a million and two eyes watching you at all time. So given that, look, we still have plenty more to talk about on this edition of Offense, Defense, and Discourse. So what's going to happen right now, me and my man Mike Jones, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we will talk more sports on offense, defense, and discourse. Once again, make sure you are following us. This show is on Twitter, O underscore D underscore discourse. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and you keep up with us and everything that we got going on because God knows it's a lot. Hey, look, we'll be right back on offense, defense, and discourse. Do you feel in this podcast? To hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. When you need to be caught up on all that's going on in the sports world, tune into the Best in the World Sports Report with all-knowing John Brown each and every Saturday morning starting at 8 a.m. here on the Philly Go Flow. At phillygoflow.com. I'm little teapot, short and stout. Here is my handle and here is my spout. No, that like this. When I get all steamed up, then I shout, tip me over and pull me out. <laughs> this is WWE superstar Roman Reigns. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. And we are back on offense, defense, and discourse. What is going on? My name is John Brown. On the phone with me is my co-host, Mike Jones. Who? Mike Jones. Now, let me tell you something about Mike Jones. Back then, back in the day, they ain't won it. But, then what happened? Oh, my goodness. I'm glad you asked, my friend. Because now he's hot. And they're Word. Yeah. And guess what? What? They're all on him. Say word. Word. Now, real, real, real quick, real quick, 
because you know we're still young you know young up and coming in the whole radio and entertainment game and the whole sports talk and 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 we're we're still young in the game but shout out to my man Quincy Harris because on his Instagram him and his producer uh South Philly Meredith uh, they called that old. Remember that? Remember when Mike Jones, the rapper, used to give out his beeper number all the time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they called it today to find out what's if that number still worked. It, I'm guessing it doesn't. Uh, no, I think uh, I'm not sure. I can't remember. Like, the, I think it was like a business or something. Like hey, I'm not sure if his career lasted long enough for him to be able to still afford that phone bill. Yeah, so. pro- probably not. Probably not. I, I don't know. Well, look, man, still, Mike Jones, he had some joints. It's, it, it's been a long time, though. You know, Texas Texas hip-hop was hot for a little bit. Mike Jones, Paul Wall, Slim Thug. It's just, you know. I mean, you always got Scarface. Yeah, well, you know, Scarface transcended. Scarface yeah, is, you know. He's a different animal. Yeah, that's that's just a whole different conversation. Like, Scar, Scarface made timeless hip-hop. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, like. Like I'm not good. Like I wouldn't be ignorant to say like Scarface isn't Texas hip hop. Like I, but you know it's like when I think of all time hip hop greats, I think of Scarface. Okay. You know, you know it, it's like his his music and his sound transcended like area and genre and and region. Like he most certainly is Texas hip hop. He most certainly is Houston hip hop. But when I think of Houston hip hop, you know, I don't necessarily think of Scarface because I think of Scarface in almost every hip hop conversation I'm in. Like if you're talking about all time greats, I'm going to, you know, Scarface is in that conversation. But I digress. I mean, so, so where do we put, you know, like Bug D, 8 Ball, GK? Oh, uh, let's see. Um, I, put Bun, I put Bun B... In, in that same category as Scarface. You know, maybe that 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 next tier down. Like to me, Scarface is one of the all time greats. Bun B Bun B is is great. One of the greats. Honestly it depends on how long ago I heard like one of his songs. That that kind of that's where I uh I mean you're a DJ. Mm-hmm. When's the last and you play old school? Yeah. When's the last time you played the Bun B? I uh I play it's fun. I play a lot of Bun B on Saturdays. Like, you know, I I, I play you know, I I play some UGK. I always you know I I keep some UGK. Somebody hits me up on phillygoflow.com Monday through Friday, ten a.m. to two p.m. You know, you hit me up and you ask for some UGK. I'll play some. You know, it was like, but I, you know, it was like, I, I play a lot more Scarface and Ghetto Boys than I do UGK. And I like, and, and, and no disrespect, but it's like, I like Bun B a lot more than I liked Pimp C. Like, Pimp C was all right. Pimp C. Pimp C was all right, but, you know, Bun B was the dude. That is tough to argue that I was probably always more of a Bun B fan myself. Yeah, yeah. Same, I mean, it's like like Pimp C was was nice. Like it was, you know, like Pimp C didn't suck. Pimp C wasn't awful, but it's like when I think of UGK, I think of Bun B. I always liked Bun B. 
you know, I was just, you know, I, I liked his flow more than I liked Pimp C's flow. But, you know, but it's not like, you know, it, it's not like Pimp C was garbage. Pimp C was good. Pimp C was, he was nice. He just, like, to me, but as, you know, as a fan, I was more of a fan of, I was more of a fan of Bun B. I got you. You know, you know, it is what it is. But it's like, you know, but Scarface all-time greats, you know, it's like, you know, the rest of them dudes from, from Houston, well, Scar, well, Scarface and UGK aside, like Scarface and UGK, all with, you know, they're up there. They, you know, they are the top echelon. You know, and then when you start getting into Mike Jones and Paul Wall and Slim Thug, and you know, then then you're just like, uh, you know, it, that goes song. That's on a song by song basis. You know, everybody else, uh, you know, whatever. Little flip, I thought little flip was gonna be nice. Did you? I I, I did. I I had high aspirations for little flip. For little, his, his name was little flip. His name was little flip, and it, it, here's the thing. About, see, I don't even call him Lil. He's Little Flip. He's li- <laughs> he, he has T's in his name. He's Little Flip. I I thought Lil. I thought Lil. Well, look, man. I'm a man. Said call him Lil Flip. I'm gonna call him Lil Flip. I thought Lil Flip was going to be nice, but honestly, and this and it's funny because I thought Lil Lil Flip came out with so much fire and so much buzz, and I thought he was gonna like it looked. At the very beginning, like he was going to absolutely shut T.I. down. But T.I. was like on the grind. And then T.I. just flooded the market with a, just a big string of hits. And then it went from, hey, Lil Flip might be that dude to whatever happened to Lil Flip. You know, mm-hmm. and, and to me, that's what I, I respect that about T.I. That's I I respect dudes who are on the grind because I felt like if that was a heavyweight fight between Lil Flip and T.I., Lil Flip came out with just a barrage of punches and T.I. took those punches to start the fight and then slowly but surely just started throwing jab after jab, softening them up till at one point you think this is going to be, you know, not even close and Lil Flip is going to come out on top to Lil Flip just got absolutely demolished to the point where, you know, it's like you'll always hear T.I. People will always call me up requesting T.I. joints. T.I. has some count, you know, make just like I said about Scarface. Scarface <laughs> makes t- timeless music. T.I. makes timeless music. Mm-hmm. And T.I. is especially for the group of rappers out of Atlanta, Mm -hmm. T.I. is one of the better storytellers. Yeah, yes. Out of Atlanta rap. Yes. Agreed. Like, and that I think is an underrated aspect Mm -hmm. of T.I. is his ability to be a storyteller, to paint that picture Mm -hmm. similar to what many of the, what are considered the great lyricists of hip hop actually do. They can paint that picture mm-hmm. and really draw you in, make you feel the story they're telling. And T.I. has that ability to do that when he, when he so chooses. Yeah, I, I, I also, agree. I, it's funny, I, I remember having a conversation 
I was having a conversation uh, right around the time uh, T.I. came out with King. And I had a friend from New York who, for all the time that I met him, was just a diehard New York fan. When I met him, it was early 90s. You know, it was about 94. So, you know, he had always been somebody who flew his flag for New York hip hop. So it had always been Biggie, always been Nas, always been Woo, Hove, you know, everything New York. So, you know, you fast forward now, you're early 90s, excuse me, early 2000s. And T.I. is out and he's really starting to, you know, he's he's really about to ascend to that to that that throne of hottest in hip hop at the moment. And he says, yo, on the real. Like, T.I. makes better New York hip-hop than anybody in New York right now. And to me, that was, and, and that was telling. Because that's when T.I., you know, he had, you know, what you know about that and why you want to, you know, like those joints. Uh-huh. And it was just, like, to me, it was like, you know, that that's when T.I. was just an absolute monster. Now you talked about him as a lyricist and him as a storyteller. Where do you put him in? Where do you put him in the discussion of of Southern hip hop, Atlanta hip hop in particular? Like, do you Atlanta? have Atlanta? Yeah, like Atlanta, like Atlanta hip hop. Atlanta. There are really only a couple names that can mentioned in the same class as Ti. Because. Mm-hmm. T.I. transcended being an Atlanta rapper mm-hmm. and was a great rapper. Yeah, and, and I, and I think that's the same. Yeah, that's how that's how I feel about Scarface too. Like, you know, T.I. did that. Of course, Outkast did that. Both of them, Big Boy and Andre Three. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, that's why I didn't name one or the other. Yeah. I just said Outkast. Mm-hmm. You have to mention both, both of them. Of them. They agree. They're not just Atlanta rap. They're great rap. Um, Jeezy and Ludacris. Mm-hmm. Okay. After that, you start really thinking. After that, you you start thinking about Atlanta rappers. Atlanta like, rap. yeah, it's like Jeezy, Luda, Ti, Outkast. That's five. They're like, there you go. That's your top five Atlanta rappers. Well, that's your top five rappers who come from Atlanta. Correct. Like their music is so good, you don't necessarily consider them Atlanta rappers. They're just dope rappers. Just rap- yeah, they're dope rap- rappers. You and- know, they they're dope rappers who come who happen to be from Atlanta. Like if they were from anywhere else, they'd still you know if they were from anywhere else and still rap like that, they'd still be great. Exactly. Like I don't want you know because I don't want to say that to you know sound like like you know I'm, I'm not trying to dump on Atlanta. No, not at yeah, all. You know, it, ain't, it ain't no diss to Atlanta, but it's like after those five, after you get Big Boy, you know, Big Boy and Andre 3000, Ludacris, Jeezy, and T.I., like everyone else is like Atlanta rappers, you know, mm-hmm. you know, Young Jock, you know, it, that's that's an Atlanta rapper. Exactly. You know, who yeah. uh, the dudes from, D, uh, from D4L. Shorty Low. You know, those were Atlanta rappers. You know, no disrespect. You know, they had good joints. 
you know, uh, was uh, the franchise voice. Whatever happened to them? The franchise voice. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I, another thing. I don't know. I don't know how we got on this topic. We spent a whole, you know. Oh, I, oh, I intentionally disrupt. Derailed this entire segment. Oh, you just trying to get us a whole. You trying to get a whole other topic into this joint, man. I see you ain't slick. Uh, I did it on purpose. I knew I started bringing up music. We got. We're, we're going to be off running for a second. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. You know, like there's certain things you know I, you can say to me, mm-hmm. and next thing you know, it's 15 minutes later. I'm I was off on a tangent. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I understand. I definitely. I know I can say to you, and you know, next thing you know, we're off on a tangent. I understand. I understand. All right. Well, look. You know, this this was cool, and you know, feel free to jump into the discussion. Feel free to hit us up on Twitter, o underscore d underscore discourse, and let us know who you feel are your top Texas rappers and your top Atlanta rappers. And if if you want to throw in an added bonus. I want you to rank rappers from these three areas. You got Texas, you got Atlanta, and you got Louisiana. Texas, Louisiana, Atlanta. Who's one, who's two, and who's three? Because you got all-time greats in all of them. That is very true. That, that'll be some interesting list. That'll be that'll be interesting. So hit us up, feel free, and we'll we'll come back to this subject another time. But in the meantime, we are going to take a break. And when we come back, when we come back, we we might jump back into sports. I, I don't know. I, you know, it, it, it's all up to Mike. Mike might just throw us, you know, throw us on another tangent. Next thing you know, twenty five minutes later, we you know, I don't know, talk about ice cream or something. I, I don't know. But look. We're going to take a real quick break, and then we will come back with more of offense, defense, and discourse right here. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. When you need to be caught up on all that's going on in the sports world, tune into the Best in the World Sports Report with all-knowing John Brown each and every Saturday morning, starting at 8 a.m. here on the Philly Go Flow at phillygoflow.com. Man, do I love card night. You ready, boys? You got a king? Go Oh, come on. (laughs) This is WWE superstar Titus O'Neil. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. And we are back on Offense, Defense, and Discourse. Thank you for listening to us, however you choose to listen to us. 
whether you're listening on freeagentradio.com, whether you're listening on thebridgeai.com, whether you're listening on seattlehiphopradio.com, or if you're listening on phillygoflow.com, we appreciate you. And if you want to hear this show in its entirety, download the podcast. Go to BITW Sports. Excuse me. Go to soundcloud.com slash BITW Sports or check us out on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. Just search the best in the world sports report. My name is John Brown. On the phone with me this week is my co-host, Mr. Mike Jones. Having a good time so far. All right. Well, of course, we're having a good time. Another person having a good time right now is Mr. Zion Williamson because that man is on top of the world and he's going to be on top of the basketball world soon is enough. He? Yeah, well, he is for now because his face when those ping pong balls came up. He's going to be fine. Cuz he know he's going to be fine because he knows he's about to be a rich man. Oh, absolutely. Now once but now once the look on his face with the ping pong balls and New Orleans won the lottery. Mhm. He didn't look like he was all that happy about the idea of going to the Pelicans. Uh, well, I, I I don't know. I think that remains to be seen. Because I and and let me and let me throw out a quick example. You remember how everyone said? Uh, you remember how everyone talked about uh, uh, Joel Embiid's reaction? When he was mm-hmm. first initially drafted by the uh, by the Sixers, remember they showed he was he wasn't at the uh, he wasn't at wasn't. the actual draft. He was at he was at his crib, mm-hmm. and the Sixers drafted him. And then they take a shot at him, and he just has this stoic, you know, non emotional look on his face. And people were like, hey, man, you know, what's up with that? You know, what's going on? Oh, he just looks so depressed. He can't believe he's going to this team and they're tanking and they're just going to be so bad or whatever. And it ended up being much ado about nothing. I think Zion Williamson will be – Zion Williamson, I think maybe, if anything, caught off guard because I think most people thought that there was no way that New York – or Los Angeles, we're going to not get that pick. I mean, and because most people, for whatever reason, believe the NBA lottery is a conspiracy. No, I understand. A lot of people do think that it's a conspiracy. A lot of people think that it's rigged. A lot of people think that it's fixed. You know, I I joke around all the time talking about how all sports are fixed and rigged, and the only real sport is professional wrestling. But once again, that's a joke. That's you know, that's that's not real. Exactly. But, but, you know, there's, that's just how people like to think, how they feel. So when you see the Lakers, you see the Knicks, you see either Philly or Boston, the, like the major markets, all in the same lottery, and then the Pelicans win. That that doesn't fit the conspiracy theory narrative. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. So there's going to be a shock factor that sits in when the Pelicans win the lottery. Yeah, and I think honestly that probably speaks to to me. That's what I saw when I saw Zion Williamson's uh, response. I thought it was more shock. Maybe if anything, you got a case of here's a young kid who thinks he knows everything, 
who thinks he can predict how everything's going to go. And here's his first, here's that first true taste of that first true taste of adulthood, not knowing everything. Whereas, you know, you go into it thinking, Hey man, I might be going to New York. Well, basically saying, Hey, I'm, I'm 19 years old and I'm truly about to decide what city I'm going to live in and be rich, New York or Los Angeles Mm -hmm. and maybe Boston or maybe Philly. I'm going to go to New York and be rich. I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to New York and be rich. I'm going to go to Los Angeles or be rich, or I might go to a playoff team like Boston or I might go to a playoff team like Philly. But lo and behold, what happens? You get you get New Orleans. So to me, I don't know if it's necessarily like a disappointment in New Orleans because in the end, he's still going to be rich. He's still going to be rich, and he's still going to be the guy. True. But at the same time, how many kids grow up dreaming about wearing a Pelicans jersey outside mm-hmm. of New Orleans? No, I mean, not you know many. that. I, you know, this, this was like at the point where he's about to see his lifelong dreams realized, and for most kids, that dream has a favorite team, favorite city, a favorite jersey attached to it. Mm-hmm. And while you understand, you don't you know it's draft system, so you don't get to pick your team. A lot of these guys still hope that they'll end up in the big city with all the glitz and glamour and Mm -hmm. the superstar lifestyle and the huge marketing opportunities. No, I understand. And I guess to me, to me, maybe that then that will then speak to his attitude about his pro experience where it's like, okay, are you, you know, what, what excites you? You know, are you excited about the, op- you know, like you don't get the opportunity to put on a, uh, you know, work to play for a storied franchise like the New York Knicks or the Los Angeles Lakers. But can you get up and can you be, can you motivate yourself to write your own ticket? They say, hey, you know what? There, you know, I could go to the Knicks and be the next star in a long line of stars. I could be, you know, I'm up there, and maybe my jersey will be up there with the Willis Reeds and the Patrick Ewings, and you know, and so forth. Or I could go to Los Angeles and have my jersey be up there with the Wilt Chamberlains and the Jerry Wests and the Magic Johnsons and the Shaqs and the Kobe's. Or I could be the first jersey and and be the first star in a long line of, you know, it's go, you know, at some point in time you could say, hey, you know what, it's going to be me and AD's jersey up there, whether AD plays another, you know, another game in New Orleans or not. I could be the first major star or one of the first major stars in New Orleans Pelicans history. You know, would that excite a player like Zion Williamson? Not being next star, but being one of the first stars, if not the first star, depending on, you know, what 
Anthony Davis does with the rest of his career. Who knows what happens with Anthony Davis? And if you'll actually, you know, Anthony Davis could very well, you know, could very well go to another city, another team, and have whatever he does in that team for that team eclipse anything he accomplishes or has already accomplished in New Orleans. Whereas you look at, you you know, you look at Anthony Davis and you don't think about New Orleans. You know, that, I mean, that could very well be happened. That could very well happen. And then next thing you know, you're sitting there and you're looking at the face of, you know, the true face for the next 15, 20 years being uh, Zion Williamson. Now, how much does being the face of an organization appeal to you if you don't necessarily see winning results in the next two, three years? Mm-hmm. Say he's been there for two, three years. They draft him this year. You get another draft, another high lottery pick or young stud talent for for, in exchange for Anthony Davis, you should have some pieces over the next two or three years, mm-hmm. and you keep losing. What happens there? I, I think honestly that, but that could happen in any city. I think honestly, but if it happens in L.A. or New York, it might be a little different than it happening in New Orleans. I mean, there's more places to go to drown your sorrows if it happens in New York or or Los Angeles. But I think, but it, it, but, I, but honestly, also. I think there'll also be more fingers pointing at, pointed at you. Whereas, you know, if if you if Zion Williamson goes to New York or goes to Los Angeles and they aren't able to instantly turn it around. They can't instantly turn it around. All eyes will be on Zion Williamson. Especially in New York. Maybe more in New York than Los Angeles. However, you know, it's he's going to catch some flack because everyone looked at him as the next big thing, the next big star. And if he comes to those, you know, the savior of each organization. Top two, we're talking about the top two markets. I think, honestly, you know, Zion Williamson goes to New Orleans and. And he's going to he's going to garner the attention a number one pick would naturally garner. He's the number one pick, so he can only fly under the radar, but so much. But I think he still has a better chance of flying somewhat under the radar in New Orleans than he would in New York or Los Angeles, where all eyes would be on him. And he is expected to make an immediate turnaround. I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. I hear you. I just, and I and I do think you're right that, you know, one of those big markets like L.A., New York, does come with more pressure. But I also look at the generation of athletes we're seeing now, and I'm, and I don't know whether this is true about Zion. I don't know him. But many of them have a sense of entitlement and feeling as though I want what I want now. Mm-hmm. And if 
you're in a city that's not providing winning. Mm-hmm. And it also doesn't provide the extra stuff, shall we say, the lifestyle stuff. A player is more likely to become disgruntled than if they're in a city where they, the, t- the team might still be working to build a winner, mm-hmm. but at least you have a lifestyle that is enjoyable. For some of these kids, I think the lifestyle may placate them some, at least through the second contract, you know, because the second, after the second contract is usually where the big money starts to come. So it's the rookie contract, the second contract, then the big money contract, mm-hmm. which is when guys usually explore the free agency. Because the money coming off the rookie contract going to the second contract is so the differences in money is so prohibitive versus the team that drafted you rather as opposed to teams that may be courting you as a free agent. Most guys, it doesn't make sense to think about leaving until after year seven, year eight. And then you're still giving up money. I think honestly, it might be, it might be stating the obvious, but I think that, you know, as far as Zion goes, as far as the Pelicans go, it it truly depends on how they're able to build around him, and I think also it speak it will speak to his competitive nature, how he is as a competitor. And honestly, to me, I think that's one thing you don't necessarily see see all the time with the one and done players. You know, I I think. Where you know when you're when you're dealing with one and done players, very rarely are you dealing with players who make a deep run in the NCAA tournament, and then they only got one tournament to judge them off of. So you don't know necessarily. You know, I think sometimes when you see you see players and they have two, three, sometimes four runs at it, you see their competitive nature. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, I think, and, and, and now there are ex- exceptions to the rule. So would I you think, rather I go pro so you could watch him play against pros? Would that no, be no, well, well, I'm, I don't, well, I should say, I'm not saying this, to, I'm not saying this as, as, you know, an argument that players should stay in school. But what I'm saying is it's in the, in as far as this conversation goes and how we, can judge Zion Williamson, you know, how happy he would be in New Orleans. I think it, it would speak, I think a big judge of that, a big factor of, in that would be his competitive nature. And could he be patient while New Orleans builds around him? Now, if New Orleans just does an absolutely god awful job of building around him, then you know what? I think he's going to he's going to want to leave on the first thing smoking. I think he's going to say he's he's coming into a situation with a team that has a superstar, that has a cornerstone superstar guy who wants absolutely nothing to do with this organization. And I think when you're young and you're ignorant, and this, and I don't say that to be. As, I don't say that to be a deterrent against 
Zion Williamson. But at 19 years old, you know what? Most guys are ignorant. You know, you just don't know better. You don't know enough to know that you don't know. But you're sitting there and you're looking at Anthony Davis and you're coming into this situation because one, you know, you've just, you, you know, you've been, you've been the hotness your whole life. You're Zion Williamson. You've been that dude pretty much since you got a basketball in your hand. You were, you went to one of the greatest college franchises, uh, college teams of all time, and you were that dude there. You got one of the greatest college coaches of all time thinking you're that guy. You're consensus number one. You got teams all over fighting to get a PCU. You're going to come in here and you're going to you see Anthony Davis on his way out and you're convinced, hey, man, that's got nothing to do with me. He's not going to be me. That's not going to be me. I, you know, I understand what problems he has, but what's that got to do with me? That is still the same organization yeah. calling the shot. Yeah. Yes. Doing the yeah. Builder. Yes. No, agree. And, and I think we're more on the same page than than. We're, we're, oh, I'm not saying we we're not yeah. on the same page. I'm just throwing out there that there is that is the one thing that does have yeah. something to do with Zion if he were to be selected by New Orleans is yeah. he has to, do you yeah. are you are you able to have complete faith in the organization after you saw the shortcomings they had with Anthony Davis? I think coming into the situ I think coming into the situation, he's gonna say, Hey, you know what? That's got nothing to do with me. And if New Orleans comes in and says, Hey man, we're committed to winning, we're commi- hey, you know, what happened with A D is unfortunately is unfortunate, but we're going to move him. We're gonna get him out of here. We're gonna get some pieces for him. We're gonna and we're gonna use the pieces that we get for him. Hey, we might possibly move Drew Holiday. And we'll get some pieces for him. And what we're going to do, we're going to use those pieces to bring in some good young talent that's going to grow together. And we're going to make New Orleans a basketball mecca. We're going to make we're going to make New Orleans the basketball mecca. And you're going to be the focal point. You're going to be the centerpiece. I understand New Orleans ain't ain't much right now. You ain't got much to look at right now. But give us some John. I hear you. I hear you. Mm -hmm. And I hear this. I hear the speech, and yes. I understand why this would yes. be your approach to selling Zion. Yes. Now, as the skeptic in the room, mm-hmm. if if I'm Zion, I'm thinking to myself, how do I know this isn't the exact same pitch you gave AD? Why should I trust you to do a better job of building talent around me and my unique skill set? Than you did build, putting talent around AD and his unique skill set. You didn't seem to know how to put a, a team that could get very far together with him. Why should I think it's going to be any different? That is, I the, want you know, come in thinking that's not wrong. I have a fresh start, but you know, history would suggest that you know. No, I I hear what you're saying, and this is this is my response to that because I think that is a that that is a very valid point, that is a very valid argument, but I think that honestly, I'm not convinced that Zion Williamson is mature enough to have that realization just yet. 
I think Zion Williamson is going to come in here all starry-eyed because he's the he's the dude. He's been the dude, and now this team is now fawning all over him, telling him everything that he wants to hear. I think what you said is absolutely positively correct. However, however, in the end. Lost in the idea of being the man, and I won't even. I, yeah, I, I think it's going to be like, hey man, I don't know. It's like, I think he'll sit down at the table with them and say, hey man, I got some concerns. How do I know you're not feeding me all this lines, and y'all y'all gonna fail to build around me like you failed to build around AD? What what what, what is this? A new sneaker deal? What 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 what, 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 what another Bentley? What what, what new watch? What what what'd you say? Go out in New Orleans, go to the French Quarter. What what? Go you gonna give me a boatload of money and send me out in the French Quarter? What is Marty Gras? What what? The next thing, and I think they'll keep on, they'll keep on doing it. They'll keep on doing that until the point where it's like you, where you're looking at Zion the way people were looking at AD when they're saying, "Hey, you know what? AD has now been in the league a couple of years, and we really haven't seen the Pelicans take that leap." I think the turning point for you know. Life came at the Pelicans fast. Life came at AD fast. You know, it, mm-hmm. you know, he went from being the darling of the league, the next big superstar, to hey, is he the problem? Very quickly. But and, and, it didn't really happen that quickly. He's been in the league for seven years. Seven, seven years. But I think honestly that the side eye. And the look, you know, this narrative has been building for probably the last three. It's gotten the loudest it's gotten this year because you're now seeing Boogie Cousins come and go. But I think this look, you know, this this narrative has been building for about three years now. Three, maybe four years. So I, I there, there is no question. There's absolutely no question that this is a reality that could face Zion Williamson. This could be what he has to look forward to. That moment when he realizes that he has spent the first three, four, five, six, seven years of his career being the guy in New Orleans and they're in the same place or maybe one step above. Maybe they're at the place, you know, their perennial playoff team. They'll get to the playoffs. They might win a couple games. They might even win a series or two. <clears throat> they might even win a series or two. But in the end, but in the end, they're not a playoff contender. Excuse me, they're not a championship contender. And they have to take some, you know, they have to take some, you know, they they have to re- reassess some things. And there are going to be people who are, you know, when teams don't win, you're always going to look at the superstar first. So, so you know, first. I'm sorry, go ahead. He makes most money. Yeah. Which means he has, and he's also probably playing the most minutes. Yep. He's now, if you make the most money, that means you have the most effect on how the roster is built and the salary caps for it. And if you play the most minutes, that means you have the most impact on what happens on the court. Agreed. So you absolutely get the blame, get the first 
and the majority share of the blame if you're the superstar. He's going to get the he's going to get the majority of the blame, but because that's the reality of it. That's the reality of the situation. Whether mm-hmm. he whether he whether he is whether or not it's actually his fault is another story. Yeah, that's a completely different. That's situation. A, that's a completely different story, and that's going to be a unless New Orleans can successfully build around Zion Williamson a whole lot better than they built around AD. You know, this is a rea- this is a re- reality that Zion Williamson will have to face. But honestly, I am not quite sure. I am not sold that these will be concerns that he has straight off the bat. Because I think he'll be starry eyed because he's the guy, and he's going. You know, when you when he comes into the league, he can do no wrong. He's the golden child. He's the chosen one. Whatever moniker you want to throw at him, he's going to get a nice little sneaker deal. He'll be on a whole bunch of commercials. He'll be the guy. Everyone will see him, and it will be great. And then eventually it's going to be, okay, now win us some basketball games. And then the next step will be, okay, now win us a division championship. Okay, now get us to the conference finals. Okay, now get us a chip. And can he get a chip in New Orleans? Remains to be seen. All right, you guys, we still got more to talk about. We still got plenty more to talk about on this edition of Offense, Defense, and Discourse. So what's going to happen right now is me and Mike Jones, we're going to take a break. We're going to wet the whistle, get something to drink, maybe get a snack or something because it's what we do is how we recharge. And then we'll come back and we will talk more sports on this edition of Offense, Defense, and Discourse. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. When you need to be caught up on all that's going on in the sports world, tune into the Best in the World Sports Report with all-knowing John Brown each and every Saturday morning starting at 8 a.m. here on the Philly Go Flow. At I'm little teapot, short and stout. Here is my handle and here is my spout. No, Dad, like this. When I get all steamed up, then I shout, tip me over and pour me out. <laughs> this is WWE superstar Roman Reigns. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are strictly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. And we are back on offense, defense, and discourse. What is going on? My name is John Brown on the line with me on the phone line with me trying to stay dry trying to stay out of this crazy east coast northeast weather is my man mike jones mike are you staying dry oh yeah absolutely i'm indoors all right what time did you get inside what time do you normally get home from work depending on the day could be anywhere from 
five to seven. Now, Mike, now I, I, I say this to you, Mike, because I know, uh, Mike, you don't have you don't have children. No, I do not. I, I have children. I have children who I have two children who play baseball. Well, my son plays baseball. My daughter plays softball. And all this week they have had games, and it's like they went, they they really went to get all the games in. So. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this rain, this weather just all is has just been, a, you know, it plays a factor. Thursday, my son had a game. It, now, it had been raining pretty much all afternoon. The game was supposed to be at six. They he was supposed to be there at five. Four o'clock rolls around is raining. You know there's no way they can cancel this game. But the coach says, hey, man, we still want to try and play this game. <laughs> All right. Well, look, you know, I'm look. Sports cost money. Mm-hmm. I paid way too much money to have my son sitting at home chilling with me when there's a game. So it's like he says he still wants to play the game. We're going to go play the game. I'm going to go. I take him to the game. I take him over to the field. It rains the whole way there. It rains the whole way there. And I'm sitting there. Still no text. Still no email. So I'm sitting in the parking lot of the game at the at the field. Nobody's there. Mm-hmm. But still no texts. Still no emails. So I'm like, all right, I guess we're we going to try and play this game. Now, the only way I would have been madder is if I had left my son at the game, you know, because there's still some time. So, uh-huh. you know, he, he they have a little practice, they have BP, whatever. I usually don't stay for that. You know, my son's now old enough that I don't have to stay for that. So I will drop him off. I will go home, maybe get a snack, you know, change my clothes, what you know, whatever, and then go back to the go back over to the field when the game starts. But I wanted to wait because what I would have been very angry if – I left them there, and then they canceled the game. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to give these guys every opportunity to cancel this game while I'm here. I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Finally, my son gets his gear. He gets out the car. It's still raining. Gets his gear, walks over to the field. I'm like, all right, whatever. Finally, about maybe five, ten minutes before practice is supposed to start we finally get notice that practice was that everything was canceled no game tonight and i'm sitting there like man y'all could have canceled this an hour ago but instead i got in my car loaded my son's gear my son's a catcher oh so you got the so so i got his batting bag and i got his catch he has his own gear catcher's gear the yeah sector the face mask yeah he has all that Shin pads. He's got all the extra. He's got all the extra. We load all that into the car, get him over to the field, sit there in the rain, only for them to cancel the game that they could have canceled an hour before and saved me a whole trip. So, yeah, I needed to vent. I needed to get that off my chest today. (laughs) Because I was just like, man, kaboy. I I, like, look. On Thursdays, on, you know, on, I only need to be frustrated with you around this time. I don't need to be frustrated with nobody else. 
<laughs> you know, I feel I spend enough time being frustrated with you and all your wrong takes that I don't need other people to, you know, I don't need other people pissing me off, man. And that's, mm-hmm. and that's what they did. That's what they did. But I digress. I, I do appreciate you allowing me uh, a couple of minutes to vent. I, I need. I, I needed that. I, I I feel a lot better. I feel a lot better now that I got that off my chest. Thank you, my friend. Um, you know, take your time. That's why we have microphones. I appreciate that. All right, look, let's get into a little bit more sports. Uh, real quick before we get out of here, R.J. Hampton. R.J. Hampton has decided he's not going to go to college. He he was heavily recruited. And he thought he was going to announce ESPN had him on to announce whether he was going to go to Kansas, Memphis or Texas Tech. And instead, he decides he is going to go play professionally in Australia. Now, we now the NBL. Now, we talked about we talked about a situation similar to this a couple of months ago. Not necessarily mm-hmm. overseas, but we talked about when the G League said that they were going to start uh, start paying to expand their professional track. Yes, for young players. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now we kind of you know we we had different takes on this and what this would do to the college game. Do, in your now, yeah, I think it's good for the players. Mm-hmm. I think. I think it will be generally good for NBA basketball. Mm-hmm. Another opportunity for these kids to play high-level basketball prior to being in the NBA. It's another opportunity for NBA evaluators to really be able to t- to determine what these kids can do prior to them entering the NBA. Because as we all know, if you if you're an NBA athlete, you're usually not going to be extremely challenged mm-hmm. by high school level competition. So it's just difficult to evaluate where you really sh- stack up when I'm just watching you play against six foot three centers and five, eight point guards every night, mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, going D one or, and I'm not, and that's the thing. D one is not the only option for some of these kids. You know, you're not you're not a surefire pro. Yeah, go to college, get your free degree, because that degree could serve you for the next forty, fifty years. But there are some of these kids who we know are surefire pros. Mm-hmm. Agree, and they may have no interest in being in college right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I think honestly, That's to okay. to Hampton's credit, when he when he made the announcement on ESPN, that's what he said. He's like, look, you know, I, I, it, it was never my dream to be a college basketball star. I always exactly. wanted to play in the pros and I respect that. I respect it. Yeah, oh, that's, that's his choice. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. That, that, there's nothing, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I, but I guess, you know, my do, only holdup, I'll say my only holdup, with the whole idea of guys for go- for going college, is simply this: I don't want to see kids go straight from high school to the NBA. Okay. 
Agree. However you do it, whether it's some minor league, the NBA builds up the G League, or mm-hmm. they're going overseas, or you take a couple years in college, I just don't like kids going straight from high school to the NBA. Mm-hmm. Because if you're for every LeBron James, mm-hmm. there are a couple hundred Lenny Cooks. Yeah. And nobody even knows what that name, who that name is. Exactly, but that's the point. Unless you're a real hoop nerd like me, you mm-hmm. don't know who that name is. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, the he was supposed to be, he was ranked ahead of LeBron in high school at one point. Mm-hmm. Now we never heard of him. Because you can't, it's just hard to evaluate that type of talent against mm-hmm. high school talent. Agree. Agree. And I, I guess, honestly, to me, it's, I think it's an, I, I feel like this system is a necessary evil. Because on one hand, you would like to see, on one hand, I, I guess, you know, you have players like LeBron, you have players like Kobe, you have players like KG. Mm-hmm. You know, and you would like to see them go into straight into the league. However, if this prevents, you know, Lenny Cooks or or high school players who are just complete fail, you know, complete failures, like a Kwame mm-hmm. Brown, you know, something like that, then so be it. You know, if this, if this is the way it has to be, then so be it. Because unfortunately, there are probably more failure stories than there are success stories. The problem well, is have, the success stories I are so are more failure stories than success stories. You just only hear about the success stories. Yeah. You know, you'll hear about Kobe cause all the time because he's a superstar. Mm-hmm. You'll hear about LeBron all the time because he's a superstar. But there are. Before they changed that rule of the NBA draft, there were countless kids every year who all it took was one agent to get in his ear and say, you're special, kid. Mm-hmm. Now he signed up for the NBA draft, didn't get drafted. Maybe he gets, a, gets able to sign on somewhere overseas because he, now he can't go to college at all because mm-hmm. he signed with the agent and went through the whole draft process. So if he wants to go to college and get a degree now, he has to actually pay for it when mm-hmm. somebody might have been willing to pay for it. Yeah, so, you know, you, you got a kid where now he's kept the agent and this kid has gone through the draft process but didn't get drafted. Now he, maybe if he's lucky, signs on with one of these foreign leagues. But if he's not that special talent that would have gone one and done anyway, a lot of these four leagues have limits on American players and how many of them they can have. They mm-hmm. might not want you. Mm-hmm. Then kid is, you? Now he's no longer eligible for a college scholarship. So if he wants to go to college and try to get a degree now, he's on his own to pay for it. And there is real potential to, to do damage to a kid's life because some agent was looking for 10% and told the kid he was special. Sign up for the NBA draft. So... The ability to evaluate kids beyond the high school level prior to them entering the NBA draft, I think, is a good thing. And furthermore, for the sake of the NBA, 
if you really want to continue your reputation as being the best league on earth, mm-hmm. it's good for them to protect your brand by requiring it to actually be a skilled trade. Mm-hmm. You know, a kid might be a special talent, like as a, as a pianist, mm-hmm. special talent, but they're not going to let them teach at Juilliard without years of study and practice first. Mm-hmm. No matter how special he is, he still has to put in the, the work because they don't want to dilute their brand. They want to make sure their brand stays protected. Mm-hmm. Even if the kid had all the talent, he still has to have the experience and resume to go with it, the polish, if you will. And I think the same should hold true for most pro sports mm-hmm. where like you can get draft like baseball, you can get drafted, but they don't put you in the majors until you're a major league player. Mm-hmm. Basketball needs to find a way to make sure that happens as well. Agree. 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 Not think, saying do- you shouldn't get paid because mm-hmm. you're generating money for people by playing. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about the highest level of the game. Mm-hmm. They got, it's got to be some way to balance that. Do you think? Do you think this? Do you think RJ Hampton's making a mistake? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. If if college was not what was for him, then he. I think he'd be making a mistake going to college, mm-hmm. probably picking some school because they were willing to pay him, risking damaging the school's program and his mm-hmm. reputation in the future because he offer somewhere he really didn't want to be at all because he'd have rather been somewhere getting paid to play. Mm-hmm. And if you're actually a talent who people will pay you to play, he'll make enough money this year to be able to afford a four-year degree. Okay. So you so, so but on, on the surface, I'm you like this move. Making a move that fits the kid and makes the kid happy. I hear you. I hear you. All right. Well, look, man. It still remains to be seen what's going to happen. How you know how he can figure this out. What you know, and and what I guess in the long term, what it will do for both the pro game and the college game. You know, no, I, still think, I still think this is bad for college ball if these mm-hmm. if all these top prospects decide to stop skipping start skipping college. I, 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 I hear the argument, but I guess to me it still remains it this has to play out. Like how I feel how I feel hasn't changed, but this has to play out. I think this is going to be the first test of this. And, oh yeah. And now, you know, we're going I think once we have this no season, idea how many top prospects will even think about actually taking mm-hmm. this path. So, like I think RJ sure RJ Hampton has to be like that. He has to be the truth. Not only does he have to be the truth in the NBL, but it has to translate into the NBA. If if he in the NBA, it, his draft stock has to stay high or go up. Yeah, then he has to actually play well when he gets to the NBA. Yeah. But it looks like he was physically and mm-hmm. prepared. So there's a lot going on, a lot of layers to this. Yeah. Like if he goes over there and he struggles straight out the gate, or you know, or he does something to drop what could what could have been his draft stop, mm-hmm. you know, then then I you know he's gonna hurt you know he's gonna hurt this process. Yeah, other players will be less likely to take to follow in his footsteps if it goes if it doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. Agreed. 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 All right. Well, look, man. It's, 
We ain't talked a lot of sports. We ain't talked a lot of music, man. It's time to get on out of here, dude. Mm-hmm. Gotta go, gotta go. Yeah, man. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. Hey, look, just a reminder, you can hear this podcast in its entirety on soundcloud.com slash bitw sports or you can go to itunes or apple podcast and search the best in the world sports report thank you guys for listening however you choose to listen to us on freeagentradio.com seattlehiphopradio.com uh the bridge ai.com or phillygoflow.com you know me and mike we will be back hopefully with better weather and in the same room next week if not, you know, we'll just do it over the phone again and whatever. You know, we have good con- it, it does not matter, man. Me we'll be Mike, here. We're yeah. going to have fun either way. Yeah, exactly. You're going to get good talk when you get me and Mike Jones on your radio or on your computer, on your phone, however you choose to listen to us. All right? So, look, you guys have a great weekend. Enjoy the sports. Enjoy the NBA Finals. And we will be back next week. Peace, you guys. Can you feel on this podcast? To hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. The proceeding was a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. Radio.